In Mark's gospel narrative that we just heard today, Jesus seems to be in a very ominous mood, if you will. He's speaking what scripture scholars call apocalyptically and has a tendency to scare many of us. To me, anyway, it makes me feel like my sinful weaknesses are exposed as I shift around rather uncomfortably. I always think of a question that I read in a commentary years ago about apocalyptic literature. That is, if someone accused me of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Mark wrote that after the days of tribulation, there would be seemingly more bad news. The sun will be darkened, the moon will be not shine, the moon will not shine, the stars will fall, and nature will be upset. Everything, in short, is turned upside down. But reading these descriptive words of Jesus about the second coming are neither a roadmap to eternity nor a timetable for future events or future disasters. Rather, Jesus used common images and language and visuals, visuals known to the Jewish people for centuries to inform them and us that our liberation is at hand and that further and most especially, we should be prepared for it. As we meditate on apocalyptic writing, it's important to remember that good comes after the bad. So after the darkness of night, a new dawn arises. After a woman's labor, the birth of new life. Therefore, there is no bad situation in the life of the church, of the world, of a nation, of a Catholic community, in our families, or in individuals does not contain signs of hope. We must always remember that despite the message of doom, Jesus came to announce happiness and salvation. Jesus continued by promising that they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out his angels and gather his elect. That's us from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the sky. So then one could ask, why would we fear? One of the saints reminds us that sadness and fear is a sign that we may love our sins more than we love God. So just as we learned in English class that there's an introduction to any paper and then there's a body of the work, the message of the introduction today is that of trial and tribulation, but the essential nature of apocalyptic literature is hope, for fear never convinces anyone to follow the way that leads to life. We want to be inspired to be good and inspired to be faithful. I recall what John Paul II once wrote, that we cannot impose faith, but joyfully propose it as the good news of Jesus Christ. These thoughts and sentiments, sentiments seem to be well-placed for us at Our Lady of Mount Carmel this weekend. For as a community of faith, if you haven't known, we grieve the passing of Father Alex Paternoster, our recently transferred associate pastor who died of COVID-19 this last Wednesday. Please remember the Paternosters in your prayers as they grieve Father Paternoster as well as his father, who died on October the 29th. Information about his father's funeral is on our parish website. If I can give you some logistics about these coming days, 
we will gather for evening prayer for Father Paternoster on Monday at 7 p.m. There's a one-hour funeral visitation prior to evening prayer that is for his family and relatives and friends. So we encourage and invite you to come pray at 7 p.m. for evening prayer. And per his request, due to his love of our parish, Father Paternoster's massive Christian burial will be held here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Out of charity for the Paternosters and what they've been through, face masks will be required for all of the funeral events. And there's any overflow seating, there will be a video feed in the parish hall and communion will be distributed in both the church and the parish hall. You also may wish to see the funeral on Facebook, on our Facebook page. You know, I had the opportunity to speak with Father Paternoster by phone multiple times during this past week when he was in the hospital in quarantine. Most of the content of these conversations, of course, should remain private, but he shared with me that one of the priests at St. Vincent had anointed him, had given him the apostolic pardon, had offered him the sacrament of reconciliation and Holy Communion. My brother, Father Brian, and I were able to see him last Tuesday. We gave him communion again, which, of course, is at the foundation of every priest's life. We also prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet with him. He responded very sincerely. We promised him the prayers of the people throughout our diocese. I asked him during one of my phone calls if he was afraid, which is what we uh, ponder during this 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. He said, not at all. One would expect a more tense response from a man who knew he was facing his own mortality. But I got a piece of wisdom from Monsignor Laughlin, who assisted us with masses and confessions a few years ago before he moved back south. I texted him and asked for his prayers for Father Paternoster. And recalling that Father Paternoster was a Carthusian monk for a few years before returning to diocesan priestly ministry, he texted his belief that Father Paternoster was still a bit of a Carthusian monk. This life and its hardships, he wrote, are just the beginning. So why bother with worldly conventions? He also shared that he believed that the Lord calls us whenever we are most ready to meet him. Again, he is on our side. And he was sure that Father Paternoster was ready. Such comforting words that, again, bring us back to our readings during this final Sunday of Ordinary Time. That we should not panic, but to amend our relationship with God and others in light of the gospel. Let us remain docile to God's word, and may his angels be on your guard as we long for the joy of the resurrection. And so for Father Paternoster, we pray, eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and all the souls of the faithfully departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen.